I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Can you say the letter C? CMC Hunt Files. All right, welcome back. Another week, CC Hunt Files. We are in the very beginning of November. This is actually, let's see, it's been one year to the day, which is absolutely nuts, um, that we launched this podcast, CC Hunt Files. It was the 2nd of November last year. Um, First episode is still a few weeks out if we're going back in time, but we actually launched it the 2nd, which is pretty freaking rad, um, seeing as how, yeah, 52 weeks of of basically having this and and doing it and... uh, yeah, it's come a long way, and I've learned a lot, and can't thank all you guys for all the support and the the good feedback. Well, there is really no bad feedback, but I guess the constructive criticism and, and the positivity and everything, I really appreciate the hell out of all of you. Um, with that being said, got a special guest. He's really made it big time now. Instead of that peon WCB podcast that he's part of, he's now on the CC Hunt Files. We'll get into that here in just a second, but... Uh, with that being said, let's run through who makes the wheels go round on this series. Grizzly Coolers, code WCB, Black Ovis, WCB10, save you some cash there. Uh, if you haven't checked out their new Merino, definitely be looking at that. Uh, right now, it's hotter than hell across the Midwest, but we're going to get colder temperatures at some point. When we do, that new Merino will definitely come in handy. Um, shout out to Devin over there at Hunter's Box Club. They've got some really cool shirt designs. I got to see a couple of them today, actually, for the next few months. Uh, some pretty cool-ass designs, so keep an eye out on that. Still $29.99. I believe he's still running a special where the first box ships free to your door. And then, like I said, $29.99 every month after that. Um, Novix tree stands. Yeah, so right now I'm in hang and hunt mode. I know Eric is in hang and hunt mode. I just gave away who's on this episode. Um, Eric Common, with that being said, we're going to dive right into it. We're going to cover a lot. We're going to cover Africa. We're going to cover his forte on the podcast and when his specialty, I guess we'll call it. And we're going to cover why Doug is going to eat the chip. So with that being said, my main man, Eric Hammond, how the hell you doing? What's going on, amigo? Amigo! Amigo. Well, you've made it. You finally have made it to the big leagues. This is it. Well, I want to say, like, you know, it only took you, you know, this is the one-year anniversary of your podcast. It only took you a year to get me on, but maybe you're just saving me for the one-year episode, you know, I don't... Damn it! You beat me to it. Before I got to announce that to the world, I was—I've been saving the best for last of this first year, and here you are. Yeah, you've had Kurt on four hundred times and Doug on three hundred times, and this is my first time. So, well, Kurt, you know, was sort of part of this in the beginning, and then he tapered off and said, "This thing sucks. You just take it, and I'm going to go do something else." So then it kind of just ended up being me. Doug's been on once; he was going to be on twice, but he's always too drunk to ever be on. So, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. Kurt is just like, this podcast tank, and I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm tanking. We're just going to call this the, the Clint Casper instead of the Clinton Kurt Hunt Files. <laughs> and then we don't have to change the name of it because it's still the CC Files. Exactly. That was really smart, whoever's idea that was. That, that was good. That was good. <laughs> well, Eric, everybody probably knows who the hell you are, but let's just say for some reason someone's listening, first-time listener, uh, long-time caller, who the hell are you, 
Uh, give us the rundown. I, I want I want day job. I, I want uh, how this all started with you and Kurt in, in the podcast. Just give us a quick rundown, man, for those who don't know, and then we're gonna we're gonna dive right into this. I'm I'm really looking forward to having you on and and getting into this. We got a lot to cover. Um, it's late at night, so we're gonna try to try to keep it short and sweet. But we got a lot of ground to cover, so we got to get rolling. Right. That's right. So uh, yeah, I'm Eric Common, um, host. Oh, what do you want to call it? Host, owner, part yep. owner, and um, store manager, I guess you could call That's it. That's right. Of working class bow hunter. So, yeah, I'm host, and then I run all the shipping merch side of the store or of the podcast. So that's my forte and my, my little baby. So, yeah. And then the way we got started, man, we Kurt and I just kind of ran in, into each other at a, a, a sand volleyball league. I, Sam, his wife, was on the same league as me, and Kurt would fill in every once in a while, you know, a couple of drunken rednecks out of <laughs> volleyball. We're the only ones wearing camo, you know, so we figured, hey, this guy's got to hunt. This guy's got to hunt. We just started shooting the shit, you know, and Kurt started it and asked me to be part of it, and seven years later, here we are. And then, for some reason, you guys got drunk one night and offered me a little gig with this episode, this series. I'm not quite sure how the hell you got that drunk, but here we are. Right, yeah, you were always yelling at us, so this might be my time to shine and yell at you for once on a podcast. This is true. This is true. Roll reversal <laughs> here. Roll reversal. Well, we uh, we're gonna get into the merch side and and what all that entails because I really want to touch on what you do and how much goes into it. I don't think companies. Um, I don't think companies that have merch, I don't think the guys that run the merch department actually get enough love. And I've got to see firsthand what you do behind the scenes at shows, uh, in between shows, just during the summer, um, you know, pretty much year round. It, it's it's pretty wild where it started and where it's at and the system you got. And I definitely want to touch on that because it's, it's pretty freaking cool. Um, kind of what you got going on over there as far as the store manager and the merch side. But before we dive into that, so I've kind of waited. I've, I've, I've talked to you and I've held off on this because I actually didn't even listen to, to a lot of the actual WCB episodes where we talk about the draft. But I got to get firsthand like, okay, you go to Africa and I know from being a good buddy of yours and talking all the time, the draft was, was a big deal. You wanted to kill a draft, multiple reasons why you wanted to kill the draft. Run us down through that. Why in the hell did you want to kill a seventy-two foot tall animal? Like, what what was the main reasons behind it? Well, there wasn't really a main reason. It was kind of a joke at first because right. you know everyone had, everyone had their oh I want to shoot a kudu I want to mm-hmm. shoot an impala like right their main you know what everyone wants to shoot on their first trip over there right you know me being a dipshit that I am I'm like <laughs> I want to shoot I want to shoot a giraffe. <laughs> You know, after, like, the whole thing came together that we were actually going to go, I'm like, I mean, I wouldn't mind shooting a draft because, like, it's the largest animal on the earth. Right, right. And what, I might never get to go back again, so I, I kind of want to take one of those exotic animals. You know, they're all exotic over there, but, like, right. zebra, giraffe, or, you know, elephant was way out of the question, but, you know, just something that this property that we had had to offer, you know, they had zebras, they had giraffes, so I put those two high on my priority list, and... You know, going when we got there, we kind of we had a main list of what animals we picked out, but draft right. was not because I just kind of figured I couldn't afford it. Um, you know, but going over there, we had our list of what we could shoot, and then he told us that you know everything's pretty much got a price tag on it, right? So we're asking you know what's a monkey cost and what's a a diker cost and all right. that. I'm like, hey, how about a a giraffe and he told me the price and I'm like I did bring some extra cash with me and I'm like ooh this is doable you know I th- when when uh when he said that price right. I think half the people in we're we're in this big van all of us together I think half the people in there kind of turned their head real slow and looked at me like oh shit you might shoot a giraffe oh shit <laughs> well <laughs> I can remember being at the shoot this year and I rode over to the shoot that morning, the day of the shoot, I rode over with you. We were talking about Africa. And at that point, I was still planning on going because I had, you know, I thought I was going to have kind of enough things here squared around with, with getting Barnuminium built and, and just kind of being in the middle of 
moving and selling my farm and then in transitioning to you know a whole new stage of life i thought i'd be in good enough shape to where i'd be able to go didn't work out that way but we were talking about that and you were choking around you're like man a draft would be cool you know and i'm like thinking to myself like it would be cool but holy hell that just it just seems out of reach you know like like did it seem like okay when you finally got the green light like holy shit i'm gonna be able to like go and hunt a draft how did i mean that like what was the the i guess the mental like process or what was like the the thought that's running through your mind i guess is a better way to put it when when you finally did realize holy shit i'm gonna get to go bow hunt a draft i mean where, where were you at there like that had to be almost like is this real or am i really gonna do that like i mean because there's 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 a lot that goes into that there is a lot that goes into it and like it was like the first day we went out you know you go out and you kind of you mainly you know try and go i mean whatever comes in you're gonna shoot you right. know but right you try and get that impala out of the way or something you know to get your get uh, everything dialed in make sure you're still on and all that shit so um you know that first day i wasn't like i wasn't gonna go out and shoot a freaking draft the first day right off the gate i didn't want to go through that freaking nightmare on the first day you know right right so the first day we go out we go to one of the smaller blinds and you know i shoot and pause the first day within the first couple hours and you know you got you got your guide with it you never met this guy you're spending eight hours in a blind with him so you gotta you know see what he's like get to know him a little bit before you go out and shoot something crazy like that and uh that second or the after the first night or the first day hunt we were back at camp around the bonfire and i kind of pulled Stuart off the side i'm like hey you know like i wouldn't mind shooting a giraffe and he's like well it's not really like one of those things that it's not like an impala you know like right. you like that one shoot it it's kind of one of them things like they they did have abundance of giraffes on this property but they were a lot of healthy giraffes so you know the one i shot he goes if you're serious about it like we have one that's he's old he's kicked out of the herd he's always by himself you know he passes breeding he's he's it's time for him to go you know right he's a, you know we he's gonna die in a couple of years anyways from their life expenses I'm like, sweet, like, let's try and go after him tomorrow. He's like, well, I got to ask you, you know, what's your arrow set up, the poundage, all this stuff. And I showed him, and he's like, well, you can't shoot a draft with these arrows. And I'm like, well, fuck. So, luckily, Austin was there, Chandler the Lord, and he had his full-length moose arrows there. He's like, hey, dude, I brought a dozen. Here's three of them. You know, Stuart grabbed one of his arrows. He's like, you'll put a 125 head on this, and you'll be good. So, yeah, after that conversation, I guess the next day I was hunting a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so now I got to I gotta get in your head for a second. Okay, we're switching arrows, well, we're switching broadheads. Let me go back one little bit because okay. I got the Impala that morning. We hunted that night. Right. We didn't see much that afternoon, but on our way back to camp, we seen the giraffe I shot. There's this pond with a blind on it this giant pond and he was the only one at the pond so we we named that the giraffe pond from there now just because we've seen a giraffe there you know the first giraffe we've seen we actually seen the giraffe i shot that very first night no shit so you got to you got to lay eyes on him so i think that kind of kicked me in the ass because i seen him and and he was a very dark giraffe and like i'm like god damn the thing's beautiful you know how how big i mean like and i know this is going to be hard but like i just imagine like it looks like a skinny i mean we're both farm boys it's like a skinny silo with legs walking around i feel like (laughs) yeah and they're very slow and like it takes i mean they cover 87 feet in three steps you know but they do not move fast at all but if they start running though I mean, after I shot this draft, he booked it. They can they can move for sure. That's freaking crazy. So, okay, so day one comes and goes. Okay, now at this point, you've switched arrows, broadheads. Like, so now you've got a setup that, like, this is this is real. This is happening. Like, your setup is now built for a draft. So at this point, yeah. it's it's got to be hitting you, right? Like, like what's 
what's the mindset now? Like, holy hell, this is going to happen type of deal, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the next day we went in after a draft, and, you know, I, I still had my regular arrows, and I, I kept two, I, I kept calling them giraffe arrows in my quiver. Right, right. The, with the draft, you know, I, um, Stewart said you want to take a frontal shot because their heart sits right there, so it's a lot easier to penetrate the heart than it is the lungs from both lungs from the side because they're so wide and mm-hmm. they're so thick and everything else. So he's like, he's like a frontal shot is a deadly shot you can take with archery equipment. So I'm like, okay. And I told my my uh, my guide, I was like, you know, if it's not within 20 yards, I'm not going to take the shot just because. I don't want to risk wounding this animal and making a bad shot, you know. Right. And plus, there were different arrows. Within 20 yards, you know, there was only about an inch drop, so it wasn't nothing crazy with those mm-hmm. with those arrows. So I was like, that's pretty confident that you know, if he came within 20 yards, I could shoot those heavy arrows. Now, yeah. did, did that mess with you at all? Like, <clears throat> in your mind, was there like a... Um, were you worried at all about switching kind of arrows and broadheads or, I mean, pretty confident or was there part of you that was like, ah, man, like, I know I've got to do this, but I'm not a huge fan. Cause I'm, I'm pretty weird. Like me, I'm really weird about like my setup and like what I'm using. And so like, that would be like, I get it. It was, it's like, it's just what you had to do. But like, did that mess with you a little bit or no? Cause like for me, that would sort of kind of screw with me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it was a total mind fuck. Dude. Right, like, right, right. Like you're, you're on a hunt, literally halfway across the world. Uh huh. I've been shooting all summer with this setup, getting ready for this Africa hunt, and then while I'm in Africa, I change my setup. Right, right. <laughs> well, not 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 a week before we <clears> left, <throat> right? Like the day we're hunting in Africa, right. I change my setup. Well, and that's like, as you're sitting here telling me this, I'm like putting myself in your shoes and I'm like, holy shit. Like if I'm on a hunt for grizzly bears or elk or whatever the hell it is. And, and, and I'm, yeah, like you said, I'm shooting all summer, all spring, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for this. And then day two, I've got to go switch stuff. Like that in itself would, like you said, just a total mind fuck like that, that would cluster my mind, you know, to where I'd have to kind of reel me back in. So, so what did you do? Like, just what did you do, I guess, to kind of like get confidence? Like, did you, did you shoot a bunch with this new setup? Like, were you able to shoot some or just kind of had to block? I mean, obviously I'm sure you shot it to make sure it was going to shoot, you know, but, oh, a thousand percent. but we, mentally, like, what did you do, Eric, to kind of like, I guess, erase the doubt and, and, and pull yourself, reel yourself back into a confident level. Cause I mean, you're about to shoot at a fucking giraffe for Christ's sake. So it's like, it's not like you're going to go shoot at a whitetail. You know what I mean? Like this is, right. it's, it's already incredible that you're going to hunt this animal. Now we've switched arrows and we got a new setup. So pull us through, like, how did you kind of gain confidence back before you're going to go out and actually hunt one of these freaking things? Well, and that's why I kind of left it down to, um, taking that shot less than 20 yards. Yep. I, I got to go and shoot. I I went to go and or got to go and shoot those arrows of Austin. Yep. You know, and we shot twenty, thirty, forty, and forties were dropping out real low. So I'm like, okay, if he's not within twenty, I'm not taking a shot. Like, yep. No if ands or buts about it. Yep. Smart. Because, real smart. And I kind of that also, just because it shot a lot better, and then I won't have that in the back of my mind. Hey, this thing's at forty yards, and it's going to drop three inches. Right. Okay. Now I've got to make up for that. I right. Gotta, I got to add three, three, whatever. I got to add yardage to my wheel when he when he's coming in, and I didn't want to fuck with that. Yeah, you know. Yep. One less thing I got to worry about. So I kind of um, the less things I could worry about, the more confident I was going to be, kind of thing. You know. Absolutely. No, that's smart. That's smart. I mean, I think yeah, that's and and that's that's something that. You know, I think sometimes we overlook like uh, something that gets changed, especially on a hunt. If, if for some reason you do have to do like what you had to do, I mean, confidence is everything in shooting a bow, especially at animals. So, I mean, you know, it was it was smart the way you played that. Okay, here's my effective range. This is it. I'm going to shoot some arrows here. I'm going to make sure I'm good. Get confidence back. All right. So now we're ready to go kill this freaking draft. So walk us through. Like, um. Like, you can definitely take them, you know, shoot a giraffe at 30, 40 yards. Right. Know, that's totally 
it's totally doable. I just yep. I didn't feel comfortable at shooting a giraffe at that at that yardage. I just want to make that clear. Just yep. Like we just went over the new setup that I wasn't very familiar with because I only shot it for you know an hour. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, no, absolutely. Well, so walk us through, Eric, because like, like I said, I haven't asked you a ton about this because I've been wanting to kind of wait to get you on and, and, and be able to, you know, kind of walk through it with you. So take us right into like the actual stock or the hunt or you're in a blind or I mean, like I said, I haven't asked a lot of questions about it and I really haven't listened to any of the episodes because I personally wanted to kind of hear it fresh here and, and you know. I'm like on the edge of my freaking chair right now because, like I said, I really don't know how it all played out, um, and that's no bullshit. Eric and I talk quite a bit, but I mean, I've honestly never really asked you much about this because I've been kind of saving it for now. So, walk us through it, man. Like you're about to go kill a freaking giraffe. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, like the second day we go to the giraffe hole. Like we see him the night before. Yep. Going in there, and that whole day we've seen a bunch of giraffes. I mean, we've seen everything under the sun but that giraffe. So we're like, okay, you know, just not happening today. So the next day, he's like, you want to go back to the giraffe hole or do you want to go somewhere else? You know, over there, it's totally whatever you want to do. I'm like, let's go somewhere else, you know, just so we're not getting burned out. So, I mean, if you listen to the podcast where I tell, tell all my stories, you know, the second day is when I hit that, or the third day is when I hit that kudu and we never found it. Um, so then that kind of put a bummer and everything. And then, right. you know, that also weighed on me when I drew back on this giraffe is I just lost an animal the day before. Right. Um, so that another thing back in my mind, but third, fourth day, I, I got my, so everything went so fast over there, but the day I shot the giraffe, it was, we didn't see much that morning and you know all of a sudden we're sitting there and you know when shit isn't moving you try and entertain yourself as much as possible because you're in a a fucking six foot by six foot box with three people you know right 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 with no no cell service i mean you you got entertain each other you know so we're playing cards and we're playing solitaire you know just farting and goofing around and doing all kinds of stupid shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, weirdly enough, my wife, as much as a prankster I am, I think kind of wears off on her. She's like, oh, giraffe! And we're like, because we're kind of, it's kind of mid-morning, you know? Right. We're kind of like, just kind of twit on our thumbs and looking around and shit. And she was totally kidding. And we're like, don't do that to us. Like, Hunting one on one, don't ever joke around like that. Right. And she points to the right. Well, the left side of the fucking blind, there's the draft scene in there. Holy! And she had no idea. No idea. Holy shit! How weird is that? She was just fucking with us because we were so bored, you know. Right. Right. So he comes in. He's on our left side. And he walks within 10 yards of the blind. Oh, shit. Walks, I mean, right by it. And so we have the pond and we also have this watering hole to Mm -hmm. the right. Mm -hmm. And all the giraffes have been coming in that way. So we set up a camera on that left side. Hoping we get a shot on the left side. Well, he he walked right in front of us and went to the right side. So, like, the video that we have up Mm -hmm. from a cell phone, which is why we had we didn't have time to move the camera around and you know fiddle fuck around so but he comes to the watering hole and kind of comes around the back side of the watering hole and takes a drink you know when they take I don't know if you've seen them drink but they get like they have to spread their legs out real wide and it's real awkward and they get down and drink and stands up at this you know, across this watering hole, it's probably 30 yards. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I told myself I wouldn't because that's just one more thing that's going to be in my head, you know. Right. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. 
then he walks around the watering hole in between us and the watering hole, and I'm like, when he starts coming, I thought he was going to walk away, but he walks in between us, I'm like, oh, shit. And he just stands there, staring at us, completely frontal shot. I mean, could have been in any more picture perfect, Clint. I'm like, I'm telling you, it is freaking insane. Wow. I got my bow in my hand, and this blind is an older blind, so it had, it had these real skinny windows. Like, I couldn't even fit my hat belt through them. They were so skinny. Holy shit. Yeah, they're meant for bow, but... Now I'm taking the skinny window and cutting it in half because I'm shooting at an angle through the window. Oh, wow. Right, right, yeah. Yep. I'm not shooting straight through the window. I'm shooting through an angle. angle. And my my guide is like, you ready? I'm like, yep. And I draw back. And, dude, when I drew back, I'm like, don't fuck this up. This is probably the most important shot of your life. Like, just focus, relax, settle that pin, squeeze it off. And that's what I did. Like, the most... I've never had that focus of a shot on any white tail in my life. That's awesome. It was... uh, I'll never forget it, that's for sure. I was going to say, like, okay, so you're back at full draw. Pin's on. The limbs are limbs are bent like it's this is fucking it like what is running through your mind at that point like i mean it, it i'm just i'm trying to put myself in you know i mean i've been fortunate to kill a lot of animals with a bow and arrow but i mean that is a whole nother level of crazy like just a total mind fuck because it's a giraffe i mean like this isn't an elk or a white in, in these huts, you're three feet in the ground, and you're shooting up at a giraffe. Right, right. Like, like, <laughs> like it's back. Ever pulled back on an animal where you had to draw up on one? Um, I I've shot a couple muleys and one of my elk. I had to shoot uphill, but I mean, again, these are elk, mule deer. I've seen them. I've hunted them. Like. I mean, you're fucking around with a draft right now. Like, a total different right. deal. <laughs> right. And, dude, like, we had pictures of this draft, and, like, I went over with my guys, like, every five minutes. Like, if he comes in, this is where I shoot him, right? Like, every five minutes, they're like, this is where I shoot him. This is where I shoot him. Because they're, all their markings are different, so it's kind of in a different right. Um, This one had four spots. Um. You know, four squares, you draw them, connect the corners. Uh-huh. And right there in the center of those four corners, he says, shoot there, and he'll be golden. And I put that freaking pin on there, dude, and it couldn't have been any more picture perfect. Like, we seen from our naked eye, like, that arrow go in and blood gushing out of that hole where that arrow, the arrow obviously passed through because you're shooting into a chest. Right. Cavity, but did it bury to the fletching? It did not. It was... I would say probably a little over half the arrow. So you're talking 16, 17 inches, something like that. Yeah, and then, and then the way Stuart explained it to me, like, you need about 10 inches of penetration to hit the heart. Mm-hmm. So we knew, like, you know, we obviously had video on my on my iPhone, so we did watch it back, and we could see the arrow go right. in and immediately... Like a geyser of blood come out. Actually, the full length video is freaking insane because he's with the guys with my phone videoing. As soon as my, I don't know how this happened, but as soon as I freaking, as soon as that click went off on my release, he dropped the phone and ran out the built out of the blind just to see where he would run, you know? Yeah. And, you know, he takes off running. We see the direction. We're like, sweet. Literally, Four seconds later, um, Jacob and his wife pull up, and they're like, "Why are you guys outside the blind?" And Jacob's like, "Did you shoot a fucking giraffe?" I'm like, "I shot a giraffe." <laughs> and we start hugging, and I'm crying. We're we haven't gone over and looked for freaking blood or anything yet. Like, right? We're ce- we're not celebrating, but I'm I'm just because you know how that is when you shoot it. I imagine when you shoot an elk or something like. It doesn't hit you right away. Oh, for sure. Yep, yep. No, so, like, 
I shot him, like, all this shit's happening, the guy's jumping out, I'm trying to get out, I'm trying to find where to hang out my bow, like, it's total plus a fucking half after I'd watched the arrow go. <laughs> I jump out of the blind, and we watch him run, and, and then I'm kind of like, well, now what, you know? Right. And, you know, he gets on the on the two-way radio, speaking Afrikaans, so we can't understand what they're saying, but, you know, he said, he said giraffe in there somewhere. But then all of a sudden, Stewart's calling, and, you know, they, and Stewart said, like, if you do decide to shoot a draft, you shoot one. Like, we'll go get everyone from the blinds, and we want everyone to experience this. You know, this is right. a special moment. And then, because Jacob and Ashley, they were coming to pick us up for lunch. No shit. Oh, so if they would have been there, so if that draft would have basically messed around a little bit, they would have spooked him off. Yeah, because when he was on... He was pretty oh, much watching. So we said, hey, come pick us up for lunch. The giraffe showed up. We said, don't pick us up. He's going to walk off. We said, pick us up. And then when we said, don't pick us up because he's coming back, they didn't get the message. Holy Black. shit. Yeah, so he freaking, like, I shot him. I, we, we still to this day don't know how. Because he ran down. He ran past the watering hole and where our blind was, was kind of at two road intersections yeah there's a road behind us and a road to our right well he ran down the road behind us crossed the other road and then jarred into the into the timber and Jacob and Ashley came up that road and like they I don't know how they didn't see him running by them that's crazy it's bizarre that is bizarre that's freaking nuts. That's awesome though, that everybody got to experience it. Because, I mean, that is. That's a huge deal. I mean, like, it's not like you just oh. shot an Impala. Like, this is a fucking draft. Right. right. It was, it was freaking insane, dude. So, how many... So, so the, the meat gets donated to what? Like, the yep. orphanages and, and, and all the... Like, pretty much, like, the native community there, right? Yep. Yep. So, how so many... Had- give us the rundown on, like, how many pounds of meat come off one of those fucking things? So they they estimated that giraffe to be forty two hundred pounds. Oof. Like just him, you know. That's you know dead weight. Um, and they said over twenty two hundred pounds of meat would be donated, roughly. Wow. So basically, like two whole steers hanging, and then some. Yeah. Damn. That's awesome, though, dude. That had to feel so good to know that, like, that was going to feed so... I mean, holy hell, the amount of meals that that would provide, insane. Oh, dude. Yeah, and, and Austin, you know, being the farmer he is and being in animal world and everything else, he actually... I can't remember what it is, but he calculated it was like 9,000 hamburgers or something that that would provide. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Fuck, that's cool, man. And that's a crazy story. I'm glad I've never asked and I got to, like, you know, like me, myself, and then obviously, like, all the listeners are getting to hear this, you know, and me and some have probably listened to the other episodes, I'm sure, but for those that haven't, like me, it's cool to, to, you know, like, I didn't know how this all went down, so, like, it's crazy to hear that story. I had no idea that Layla was, like, you know, hey, draft, and then, oh, I'm just fucking with you, and then, holy shit, there is the draft. Like, that. that's freaking, what are the odds of that? Right, it was, it was fucking bizarre. No, that is, that's freaking crazy, man. I was so stoked, because Kurt sent us all a message, hey, you know, can't share a ton of details right now, but Eric killed a draft. We're like, oh, my God. Like, I was losing my vibe, like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, because Kurt was actually, he, was, he killed that morning, and he was back at camp, you know, just hanging out, just chilling. And he actually yep. had wife in service. Right. When I shot this draft, so he actually heard, he was with Stuart, and Stuart got the call. You know, and he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's freaking cool, man. That's rad. Gosh dang, that's that's crazy, dude. Um, so now, last question before we before we jump off this. What are you, you getting it mounted? Like, what what are you doing with the damn thing? Yeah, so there's actually, like, a lot of cool shit you can do with a giraffe. Right. Um, so we have kind of a spot studio. Um, you'll know because you've been there a bunch of times. But, like, up by that front window. Yep, yep. So he's going to go in that corner. I'm getting a shoulder mount of him. 
it's going to be a floor pedestal because we kind of have to have him right. on the floor. Right. Because he's so tall. Um, but he's going to start on that maroon wall, you know, mm-hmm. and then curve around and be looking into the studio, like towards the bar. Oh, that's bad. Dude, I can't wait. How, when do you think you'll have him, like, when do you think you'll get him done or have him back? They said it was, you know, roughly a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting that out, and then um, the tax that we're having everything done at, he makes these really cool rugs where he cuts out little six by six squares and sews them all together and then makes it a big rug. Oh, nice. Yep. So I'm getting that. Stuart really recommended that I keep the shin bones because mm-hmm. they're like four foot tall and a lot of people will make like um, battle axe handles out of them or they'll I think I'm gonna. A lot of people have them engraved, so I'm gonna see if Dana Pace can't do. Uh, oh, that'd be cool. Really cool engraving, you know, Africa theme, WCB yeah. type deal. Oh, that'd be sweet. That's oh, really cool, man. I am stoked to see that. Gosh damn, I can't wait to see that stuff. That's gonna be that's gonna be freaking badass. Um, uh, yeah, Dana, I'm sure will be able to create something super freaking cool. Yeah, even I mean, just something with our name on it with right. Africa. Africa saying or I'm just going to kind of hand him this three and a half foot long bone and be like hey do something (laughs) make it look badass that's awesome man well speaking of WCB and whatnot let's jump right into so you're the store manager like you started off with that that was kind of your gig couple hats couple shirts in the very beginning Run us yeah. down through. So, like, I remember in the very beginning, you guys started off with like a t-shirt, a hat, and a hoodie. Um, give yeah. us like. So you started with that, if I remember correctly. It was like one of each or something like that. And then where we are now. So like we start. You st- we started with like three items, right? Now, at this point, roughly, if you were to add them all up, I mean, just roughly, how many hats, shirts, hoodies? I mean. From three to what? Like, where are we at right now? Oh, you're putting me on the spot, aren't you? Well, I mean, just roughly. It's got to be what? I mean, shirt designs have got to be 20? Yeah, 20. Hats? Hats. It's looking at 50 different colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Um, in boxes, I don't have enough room on my shelves to store them. Right, right. So, okay, so now we know where it started and where it's at on numbers. Now, what was the process in the very beginning? Like, you would just get an order, you'd run to the post office every now and again, you'd ship a hat or a T-shirt out. Like, at what point did it get to the point where you're like, holy shit, I've got to get a system. Like, something, something's got to happen. I don't know if you have enough time for all this shit, but... Because it's been a freaking learning curve oh yeah oh yeah the the first time like you said we had a we had a hat we had a shirt i don't even we didn't even have hoodies at the very beginning we might have like a stocking cap you know so Mm -hmm. you know i thought i was badass i have one shirt small through 3x and i got one hat and i'm shipping this shit out i'm like hell yeah we're making we're doing things right you know right I think by when I said I got to change some shit, we introduced another shirt, and we had a sale. You know, it was like, I don't even remember, like a free rut sale or free yeah. sale or some shit like that. So before how I used to do it is, you know, on our square, we use Squarespace for our, our website. Right. I would copy and paste everyone's address into Notebook. I'd print them out, cut them all out. Holy shit. Load everything up in boxes, tape them up, and then tape the piece of paper with their name and address on it. Mm-hmm. And then I think that one pre-sale, we, we did like, I don't know, we sold like 30 items maybe. And I had to take 30 individual boxes to the post office, <laughs> sit there while they wait single one and typed in every single address and then just to pay you know the shipping cost again and i was there for probably an hour and a half holy shit yeah and i'm like okay 
something has to change a little bit. Right, you know? right, right. But it, it was one sale, so I didn't change everything right away because right. I'm like, okay, it's kind of a once-a-year thing. I'm yep. okay with that. Other other times, it's not that bad. It's not right. that big a deal. Right. I take two or three boxes here and there to the post right. office. Put a postage on them. Yep. No big deal. So at, at, at what point after that now did we go to the next level? Because here at, at about, what, year two or three, the merch really took a big jump. Yep. It took a, you know, we started adding, of course, hats are hot. Hats are always hot. So we, you know, we would get a new order or a new color in, sell a shitload of those, afford to be able to start a new color. You know, we kind of wanted this hat to pay for the next hat type of deal, you know what right. I'm saying? We started adding all these hats, all these hats. Well, in the meantime, I moved, and I had this perfect... It's actually an old bedroom in my basement now at my new... At my, well, now I've been here four years now, but... At my house now, I'm okay. That's dedicated to the podcast store. Like, right. And I set it up how I thought I wanted it, which worked very well, and then you know, at that at that point when I got everything set up in here, I'm like, okay, I have shelves up, I got all the shirts organized, I got the hats organized where I want them. Now I needed to focus on shipping because right, that was my bottleneck. Like, I can't be doing this, taking twenty, thirty orders to the post office and sitting there for an hour and a half. Right, right. Then I started digging, you know, and. and what really helped me too is I, that's about when I started for uh, the company I work for now, Motion Graceworks, and we do it all there from manufacturing to shipping to everything, and that played a huge role in because they already had their shipping set up and like you know they were kind of growing as WCB was growing too, but they were growing at a ten times thousand more rate than we were. Right. So I got to see their updates on their shipping side. I'm like, okay, I can implement, you know, a scale. Yeah. A thermal printer. Yep. You know, I implemented ship station. I implemented, you know, just stuff to make my life so much easier. It's like, it takes a toll on you too when you're working eight, 12 hour days, coming home, then you got to ship out 30 orders. You know yeah. What I'm oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is I don't think a lot of people realize the guy behind the mask that is the store manager for for a big company, whether it's hunting or fishing or whatever the hell you're in, and you're shipping out merchandise, whether it's stickers, hats, doesn't matter. I don't care if it's a box of stickers or a box of hats. It's all the same process. There's a lot that's entailed in getting a product from the store, a.k.a. your basement, a room in your house, to someone's front door. Yes, I mean, because, you know, that's why I had to implement because I was killing myself. I'm like, I got to do all these orders every night, and then I got to take them to the post office, and I got to freaking sit there for an hour and a half. So I'm like, I got to simplify this a little bit. Right. Take some, relieve myself a little bit. So, you know, so really, like, I would say anyone that has a store, get a ship station account and a thermal printer and a freaking uh, scale. It'll save you so much freaking time, I'm telling you right now. And to think you went from notebook, copy, cut, and paste to the legit system you got now. Like, it's just, it's crazy to hear you talk about that because, I mean, looking back, like, you've got to be like, holy shit, what in the hell was I doing? Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, I did it for so long, I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot for doing it for that. <laughs> But I mean, but like, I didn't know any better, you know. Right. Just I'm, like, right. I'm learning as I go, so yep. I didn't really know. I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. Yep. Yep. No, I mean it's really cool, and and you know, <clears throat> I I don't think a lot of people, like I said, understand really what what all goes into that and how much work you've got behind the scenes. You know, like I've got. You know, you got to bring us all to the company that prints all the hats and the shirts. And we got to take that little tour that day before one of the shows. And that was cool as hell to see like, okay, Eric sends us the design. Eric sends them the, you know, like you send them basically what they're going to print. Tell them, 
sizes and colors and whatever, and then they're taking care of that. But like, you've got to set all that up. You know, I mean, like that's not just an automatic thing. Like, someone's got to be the the one, which is it's you that's setting all that stuff up and 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 getting new shirts printed, getting new hats printed, coming up with designs and logos. Like, it's it's not just shipping and receiving that you're doing. Basically, is what I'm saying. There's there's a lot more levels or layers to the onion that I don't think people even really think about. And hell, you probably didn't even think about it, right? In the very beginning, like how many layers there was, I'm sure. Well, no, you know, our first shirt was our freaking the antler logo on the back yep. and W. You know, we're in class 200 podcasts on the front where the pocket would go. I'm like, yep. easy peasy, this shit ain't nothing. Well, that shirt only, I mean, we still do offer that same exact shirt because um, it's kind of our OG shirt. Right. Um, but, you know, then you got to think, okay, there's logistics that go into it too because this, this shirt's starting to peter out. It's not selling as much. Okay, we need a new design. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we do for a design? Yep. We throw ideas around, you know, we through everyone then we got to find someone to make the design yep that's where jordan always came in from combination creative and then you want that this you want this logo in this color do you want the what font do you want what do you you know there's there's a million different steps that go into one t-shirt right. i know a t-shirt doesn't look like much but it's like okay what font do you want what color font do you want the logo a different color do you what style shirt do you want how many sizes of this? How many sizes of that? It's more than just, hey, print this shirt. No, absolutely, man. <laughs> and I mean, I know I've told you a million times, but I'm going to collectively say it for the whole bunch. I mean, we appreciate and respect the hell out of what you do because I'll be honest with you. What you do, um, I wouldn't want to do it. I, 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 it, it, it there's a lot involved in a lot of patience and time. And I'll be honest. I mean, that really truly is not something I would enjoy. Um, so I'm really happy you like to do that because that finger will never get pointed at a guy like me. <laughs> and that's like, is it overwhelming at times? Yes. We're like, cause there's a point there. I was, yep. you know, on your shipping orders for four or five hours every night. Yep. I just, I was like, hey, you know, I had the conversation with Kurt. I told him, I was like, hey, you know what? I can't be killing myself like this. Like, I'm going to do it every other day or, right. you know, I got a couple of days off. Like, this, I just can't be doing this every yeah. night, you know? So, I mean, but with the system I got and how it's going now, like, I don't mind coming down. It's kind of my relaxation time, too. You know, I get to turn the music on. The kid's in bed. Yep. The kid is wife in bed. So, I just kind of, it's kind of a, kind of a zen moment i would yep. say kind of like your uh like your wind down almost and it is i used to like i used to be super worried like if i'd have 50 orders in the in the queue i have to get those out tonight and i just bust ass down here and now it's just like i'm gonna do i'm gonna do it till i'm gonna give myself till nine o'clock yep because you know what like I don't ever let them go over a couple of days. Sometimes right. it happens with hunting season and trade show season. And sometimes, right. you know, it's week time, which I have a full-time job still and everything else going on. Yep. And people totally get that. Like no one has ever complained about it. I've had a couple of people reach out to me like, Hey, I need this tomorrow. Hey, I'll get it out to you. Like I'll come yep. down. I'll do that order. Like anyone listening, if you need a rush order, let me know. I'm not doing this every night anymore because I was killing myself. If you need a rush order, email, shoot me an email. I'll get it out that night. I get nothing like a deal for me to come down and do one order, you know. So, but, you know, it is a process. Like, when I'm not shipping orders, I fold every T-shirt. So, like, yep. when we get a new design in, you know, it could be 200 T-shirts, and I got to sit there and fold them all. Oh, yeah. Now, I have got... Eric has schooled me and shown me the way with the T-shirt, the uh, the handy dandy T-shirt folding machine. I've got to do quite a bit of that at the trade shows. Um, I've got yep. I've I've got to package hats and and do all that deal. So I have got my hands dirty and and got to do some of that. Um, so I have got to see what goes into that. And I've folded probably over the course of last year's trade show season a couple hundred shirts. And yeah, I mean that's not the funnest thing I've ever done in the world by any means, but it's got to be done. It's, I mean, it's not bad, but it's just so tedious. Oh yeah. I mean, if anyone here is, you use one of those t-shirt folding 
plastic thing to get them on Amazon for like nine bucks. If you if you're anal about folding t-shirts, buy one of these fucking things. Oh they're yeah, amazing. They're pretty cool. It's very like you throw a t-shirt on there, it's four folds, and then you just do it over again two hundred times. Yeah. It really is. Well, like I said, man, I, I really do. I appreciate the hell out of what you do, and, and I hope people have kind of gotten a little bit more of a grasp on what actually goes into it and, ha- and how large the scale is of what you're doing because I think it goes unnoticed and, and not it's not brought into light enough because I think a lot of companies, you know, the guy behind, like I said, the mask in the store um, – doesn't you really don't think about that guy and what all he's got going on but like that like i said that's a job that a lot of people wouldn't want to do me included because there's a lot to that now i'm sure it's very rewarding for you at the end of the day because you're such a major part of picking design getting stuff set up you know you're doing all the shipping receiving so i mean you know for you it's got to be really rewarding and that's good because you wouldn't be able to do that job if you weren't getting something out of it like that rewarding feeling because like you said it is a very time-consuming tedious job so i mean obviously you like doing it or you wouldn't still be doing it you know what i mean and, and you've got the right system now you've really got it dialed in so you know like i said hats off to you man because i've got to see it behind scenes and uh yeah man you, you got your shit figured out now for sure yeah, we didn't even mention like trade show season. That's oh, whoo! Yeah, yeah. I I got to be part of like eight or nine of those last year with you guys, and uh, that's a whole nother animal. I mean, the amount of yeah. shirts and hats we sell in a weekend uh, it blow a lot of people's minds. Yeah, but no one's seen it. How like the whole process? I empty the whole store in my basement. Yep. Carry everything out to the garage. Load up the trailer. And I do that for every trade show. When yep. we come back, I take everything back down to the store. I got to take inventory. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, because some people like Clint don't know how to run the computer very well at the trade show. So then the counts get way off. Then we oversell something online and we got pissed off customers and everything else. But anyways, then I got to take inventory and then I got to order new stuff for the next trade show that's yep. next week. Yep. And then order all the new shit, get all the t-shirts folded by the next Friday that we're leaving. <laughs> yep. Oh, trade, yeah, I got to see that firsthand. That's a whole nother, and then, you know, you get some drunken idiot like Doug running the running the booth for an hour, and he sells five shirts, but Mark's down 15, and then, yeah, I mean, it ends up being a disaster. Yeah, and there, I mean, there's multiple times where if it's a, you know, really good show, we sell a shitload of stuff. Oh, yeah. Obviously, while I'm at the show, I can't get home, so we'll oversell on a shirt or a hat or something. And you know, sometimes on a shirt, it could take a couple weeks for the shirt to come in. And you know, all, every time I email the guy, hey, we oversold the last show. It'll be two weeks. I can either ship out the rest of your stuff or wait and ship your whole order in two weeks. You know, everyone understands. Like, right? Know, all there's they get it. I've never had anyone. Like cuss me out because we oversold on a shirt or anything, you know. Absolutely. Well, uh, speaking of drunken Doug, we gotta we gotta end this thing with I gotta know who's eating this fucking chip. Dude, he doesn't stand a fucking chance. I like Let's it. Just, I like the confidence. Right, right now. So Doug Doug is eating the chip, hundred percent. Yep. Why yep. is it? Why, why is he eating the chip? Clint, you know what? I'm just going to say this right now. My mustache is tingling that he's going to eat the chip. Oh, God. Okay, now give us the rundown. So so break break this. So anyone that doesn't know what the hell we're talking about right now, Eric's going to give you the rundown about the, the chip challenge between Eric and Doug. Give us the rundown. What what it entails, like you, you both had to shoot a doe. Like just, just give us the whole rundown. <clears throat> the whole back. Yep. On it or what? Um, if you want to give us the quick backstory, you can, and then give us the rundown of, of how this all works. Because for your guys' tags, I believe you got to shoot a doe first, right? So that starts it all off, if I'm correct. Well, quick backstory, I've been on this betting spree all through trade shows. Yeah, season, and, and I, I was part of a lot of this. Sh- I, I got to see a lot of these bets go down. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I just started betting, and I'm like, okay, whatever, let's just keep it going. Yeah. The one drunken night at the depot across from the studio, I'm like, Doug, I bet you, well, first I said, 
his mustache off if I shot a bigger buck. Right. And he would not, he wouldn't shake my hand on that. So I said, okay, because he thinks ketchup is spicy. He does. <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, if I shoot, you, know, you have to eat the Pacu chip. And he kind of hesitated, you know, like when you put your hand up, you don't shake someone's hand, you're kind of hesitant about right. it. He kind of did that for a little bit, and then he shook my hand. I'm like, all right, this bet's on. Now, I got to say, so I was at a bar over the weekend, actually in Iowa, and I watched, I watched, I watched a guy on Sunday night eat the chip. Yep. Now, I've seen this guy before, um, kind of a roughneck. He was crying immediately. <laughs> I mean, like, I and now I love hot stuff. So for background, Eric and I, if we go to a restaurant together, we get the hottest wings. We like hot sauce. You know, you and I are very similar on we like hot shit. Um, I really, really, really like hot stuff. I have not eaten one of these chips. Um, I've seen two people eat them now. Um, it, it looks really painful. So whoever shoots the smallest buck, or let's say you shoot a buck and he doesn't. Now, this is only for bow season, correct? Correct. Okay, give us give us the guidelines and the rules and regulations. Just give us the rundown on how this all works with, this, with the chip. Because obviously, smallest buck's eating the chip, but... Your guys' tags, you got to shoot does to even have a buck tag, right? So that starts it all off, correct? Well, not necessarily. Just the one property we hunt is a turn of buck property. Okay. So, okay. But I mean, I can go back home and shoot a buck, and it's going to count. Gotcha. Okay. So basically, it's just smallest buck, you're eating the chip. Yep. And that's the, that's, that's the only guidelines we have. Smallest buck, you're eating the chip. Now, this is just for, for bow tag, right? tag okay and you're telling me 110 percent doug's eating the fucking chip yeah what do you expect will happen when the chip touches doug's mouth because you are correct doug does not he ketchup is spicy like yes yes so okay doug's got to eat the chip what's gonna happen i don't know but i did i did eat a I can't remember if it was the scorpion pepper, or the Carolina Reaper pepper at the studio one night mm-hmm. by itself. Mm-hmm. It was not fun. No, nope. I've had a Reaper. I, th- uh, I feel like I handled it very well, but if Doug, if it's anything like that, Doug might die. Yeah, I, I have. <laughs> I have had a Reaper, not a Scorpion. And like I said, I, I'm a heat freak. And anyone that knows me knows uh, I love hot shit. Um, Which one's that? That's the one I ate at the studio. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Those are hot. Like Which, which one's hotter, though? Because that chip has... It's got both of them. It's got the Carolina Reaper and the Scorpion Pepper on it. I think that the, the Reaper is a little less... I think the Scorpion's hotter, I think. I've had a a Reaper, and like I said, I mean, that was... I ain't gonna lie, it was pretty fucking painful. Um, Yeah, the Reaper is 1.6 million Scoville. Now, the chip, does the whole chip have to be eaten, or is this just a, a part of it, or... Oh, a whole chip has to be eaten. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, well. I just, just ain't taking a little corner out of it. Like, it popped the whole thing in. Uh, now, this is going to have to be like a Facebook or Instagram live, like, when this all goes down, because I mean. Oh, Clint, we're talking about having a fucking event at the studio, like a party. Right. Oh, yeah, it, it has to. I mean, this is this is a big deal. Because, I mean, like, this isn't just, like, a hot tamale pepper you're eating here. I mean, like, this is a fucking... <laughs> I mean, I honestly feel bad for whoever's got to eat this fucking thing. <laughs> I'm going to be blue. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. We, we've talked about 
We've we've pretty much covered it all, and we're at almost an hour. We've done damn good. We've covered drafts. We've covered how Eric, it, it, you are the wizard, the mask, the man behind the mask when it comes to the store manager. And now you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Eric is proclaiming Doug will die from eating the chip. That's that's where we're at. I've got to tell you the story real quick too. Like I almost set the set the tone for the chip challenge on uh, last Friday. Oh no shit! I didn't know this either. No, I remember at the beginning of, right. before we started. Podcast, right, right. I told you, I didn't tell you. So went into a new spot. You know, how you go in. Yep. New spot, not there with it. Yep. You find a tree. You're like, oh, this looks like a good tree. I'm gonna climb it. And I'm gonna sit here till daybreak. Yep. So I'm It was a good tree. Good spot. I kind of knew the spot a little bit, but I'm like, okay, this will work. And Joe comes in. Right, it's too dark to shoot, mm-hmm. but I can tell. She moseys off. There's a. Uh, I'm trying to paint a picture. There's three ridges that come down to the bottom. Oh, nice. And I'm sitting on the edge of one of the ridges, so I can see these other two ridges where mm-hmm. everything comes. Down. I can hear this about half an hour after the the doe came through. Mm-hmm. I can hear something working down. Like he's cutting the cutting the one ridge at an angle coming to me and it's still like I could shoot it's definitely past the half hour before shooting like but it was still kind of too dark where I couldn't see so I'm finally mm-hmm. him trying to find him he steps out and it's like 165 inch 10 pointer and he's coming down he's, he's cutting the ridge coming down the bottom and coming up my ridge but he's he's cutting it at the wrong angle for me to take a shot. But it's also a new spot. I hung a stand in the dark, and he the closest he got was like forty five ish. I would have tri- if I could have trimmed some stuff. I probably would have had a shot, but it probably would have been too dark anyway. So he cuts the ridge up to my ridge, and he's he. But now he's walking away. You know, he's cut the ridge behind me and he's mm-hmm. walking away. And he turns and he starts walking towards me and I'm like, oh fuck, this is going to happen. You know, you go into that high and that real low. Oh yeah. That high. And then he stops and he's kind of looking my direction. And I don't know if he winded me or if something just spooked him or what. And he fucking turned the tuck tail and got the hell out of there. If you would have shot that buck that early like that, oh wow, you're putting the heat on old Douglas fucking hard. I know, because he was in the hot spot, too, and he wasn't seeing shit, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I wish, I know, I, and that, I could only hunt till noon that day, I took a stand down, I switched tree, so, like, if that bug makes that same move again, next time I'm in there, he's dead. Well, there you have it. Well, it's going to be fun to see who comes down to the wire, who's eating this fucking chip. I will be at the event because I've got to see it in person. I've seen it eaten twice, and I've I've got to see it. So, man, the must. What's that? I'm not gonna lie. I've never seen anyone eat it before. I've seen two people, and they've both cried. And both people, the one I knew, one I didn't, but the guy that I didn't know, see it at the bar, eat it. They proclaimed that he eats hot shit for fun all the time and, like, was looking forward to this. And, I mean, both of them, both people I've seen eat it, this thing, the chip, um, have both literally cried. So it's it's, it's going to be, uh, yeah. Well, when I ate that one, that one pepper that is in this, yep. dude, like, I was crying. I was shivering. My fucking arms went numb. <laughs> like, there there was shit I thought I couldn't even explain. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You got something to look forward to. Someone could die over the chip challenge, but you know what? Hey, a promise is a promise, a bet's a bet. You know what I mean? I mean, someone, it's going to be Doug eating it, so. There it is. Douglas is going to eat the chip. Well, Eric, I, I can't thank you enough, man, for what you do for the podcast as, as far as the behind the scenes with, with being the store manager. More importantly, a hell of a good friend of mine that I consider a best friend. It's been fun to have you on. It's taken us a whole year to get you on. But like I said, I was saving the best for last when it come to the first year. So, I mean, that's you can't blame me, you know? You can't blame me. Well, I just, just promise you this. Like, every anniversary you have me on, 
I, re- I like that. Every anniversary I have you on, and I'm going to have to do a live via the CC Hunt Files page for the event whenever we have the chip challenge and watch Doug eat the chip. Uh, Doug's eating the chip, and he might it might burn his mustache off. We don't know yet. <laughs> well, Eric, hey, I love you, my man. Thanks for coming on. You guys all know what to do. Don't fucking settle. It, it, the rut is rocking right now, even with these hot temperatures. But you know what? Hot temperatures, hot chip. Doug's going to eat it. That's all there is to it, right? That's right. There it is. Eric, thank you, sir. We'll talk soon. Can you say the letter C? You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.